Well, welcome back to another edition of Never a Dull Movie. I'm Father Chip Hines. And I'm Brian Swift. And today we're going to do something uh, I think that will be fun uh, because, you know, we've listened to the State of the Union. Uh, you know, the president does that every year. States do state of the states. Cities do state of the city. Well, we're going to do the state of the cinema. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, post, you know. Post-Oscar time is a good time to do it. There's been essentially a referendum in some form or fashion mm-hmm. that the Oscars has uh, revealed to us. That's true. So now's a good time to talk about just this isn't anything specific. It's more broader topic state of the cinema things. Right, right. And, and and I think it's always good to get something out there, you know, because we are so important in the cinema <laughs> world that they, of course, will listen to us and and uh, and, and react accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just some reactions to the Oscar telecast. Um, I'm going to say it again. I think I've said it before, maybe not on this program yet, but the Oscars needs a host, in my opinion. I was, I just, it's rudderless. I, you don't know what's coming up. You don't know what's going on. It's boring. Well, I think it might be boring because it's long. Oh, it's too long. And I think one of the main reasons why it's too long is, I don't know if you counted, but this past Oscars, there were seven live musical performances. I know. And those take up a lot of time. They and do. who really cares? I don't think personally that best original song should be a category anymore because I believe it's something of a bygone era. Yeah. You don't really see people recording original pop songs specifically for movies anymore. So it makes just the entire category almost like a farce. Um, well, those songs were recorded for they were, those movies. They were, but I, I, I even I agree with you. One. Listen, I agree with you 100%. It's not the Grammys. No, and and I was just going to say, that's where that belongs. Right. It belongs in the Grammys. Maybe there should be a category. Best song in a movie. Well, or... or I don't know. Or they've got a best score. Uh, maybe best soundtrack. I don't know how to do it, but but the they were counting Janelle Monet at the beginning and counting Billie Eilish. By the way, I had no idea who that was. She she starred in Hidden Figures. Okay. She was one of the Oh, okay. She was one of the uh, All one right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know yeah. who you're talking about. She's yeah. also in a Pepsi commercial where she like uh, goes through like the Pepsi decades. She's got an interesting hairstyle. I didn't know she was a uh She's a singer. singer. She, I think she used a singer first. And probably was. I just didn't know that. Yeah. Um That's how out of tune I am with what the kids listen to today. I mean, I wouldn't know if I was wasn't told. Yeah, um, I texted you. You didn't even text me back on it. Oh well, I was you know I I you were was watching with my wife. Yeah, it yeah. was no phone time. Oh, it was you know we made a couple snacks. We had them on the table. We put the big TV up. Yeah, yeah. Well, not the the big TV is always up, but we put it on. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was like I'm not touching my phone. You're not touching your phone. We got to make a deal sometimes. And you know if I gotta if I gotta cut you loose on those times, Father Chip. Wow, it's gonna happen. I know. I guess so. I, uh, but I don't know why you would make one of those deals during the Oscars, which is probably one of the most tweeted events. In- oh, I don't have Twitter. You don't have Twitter? I don't have Twitter. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. I've tried Twitter before. I'm a big Norm MacDonald fan, as yeah. you know, and he he live tweets. He live tweets oh, the yeah. Oscars. He live tweets the uh, right. the Masters. And apparently, yeah. but I'm like, and I, and I like him. And I tried. I'm like, oh, I'll get a Twitter account so I can follow him and him right. alone. I don't know. 
uh, there's a bunch of social media uh, platforms that I'm just kind of getting tired of. Mm-hmm. Like Facebook is just nonsense now. Like you right. don't really communicate with people anymore. It's just like, um, okay. Well, I just I I just think it's but the host. The host. They need somebody. I think to bring it together. So when Steve Martin and Chris Rock came out, like I thought that was great, and I thought what they said was funny. I thought they were, you know, you know, they were making fun of the fact that they had both hosted the Oscars at one point, and now they were just demoted but, to this. But also they had an edge, which you don't always – and you don't always even see that in the host. Right. Uh, I really liked the portion of the show mm-hmm. involving Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Bezos. Yeah, that was funny. I liked that they were making fun of him. And yeah. I also like they intro- – you know, because they'll do the thing. Like, Jeff Bezos is here. They'd be like, oh, Tom Hanks is here. And you'd hear people clap. They mentioned Jeff Bezos. Nobody clapped. Nobody clapped. Yeah. Um, because I mean, he's the in reality, man. in reality, he's modeled his look and his attitude after Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah, he's got a very Lex Luthor vibe. I yeah. mean, so I don't, yeah. I don't know that there's much to much to to champion. But anyways, um, <laughs> well, I mean, he doesn't need he doesn't need doesn't us, need us to champion. Him. I mean, I mean, he doesn't need us to like him. I'm still gonna order my package. Although I, I have been. This is this is a tangent. I have been utilizing the non two day shipping option through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like if it's something that I like, you know, if it's something I need, then I'll use the Prime function of quick shipping. Yeah, but the, you know they give you the option, and they're right. just like, oh, we'll give you a coupon if you opt to do normal, right? Like, like which would be a week, right? I'm like, you know, if I order like if I order a Blu-ray disc, right. I don't need that tomorrow. Right, sure, I can sure. get that next week. I don't, you know, so I take it. What are uh, the coupons? Oh, you use them for future Amazon per. But the per the thing is, they they've done a study about the fast shipping mm-hmm. and the environmental ramifications of fast shipping. It oh, just, really? It takes to get it there fast. It takes more resources than it would be if because essentially, like if there are smaller shipments going out on big planes mm-hmm. more often as opposed to. Okay, we're we're filling this plane to the brim and we're mm-hmm. flying it here and then we're taking it on one, you know, it's it's just so if I don't need it right away, I'm willing to just kind of, you know. Sure. I I, I, I don't consider sense. myself I don't consider myself a tree hugger. Right. By any fashion, but when given like a clear opportunity of saying, "Oh, you can sacrifice this for a positive uh environmental outcome mm-hmm. at at no uh you know, you know, cost cost to you. Yeah, yeah. then I, I'll take the option. No, I don't blame That's you. That's a tangent, <laughs> and I don't blame you. I mean, I I my tangent on that will be this: why I why so why are the boxes so big for small items? Uh, I will tell you why. Because I briefly before I worked here, I worked at a warehouse. Yeah. I worked at um, yeah, it's I, in Peabody, Massachusetts. I know. It's Christian Book Distributors. Yeah, yeah. And I worked in the warehouse, and I was filling special special orders. Special, I was the person on the line who mm-hmm. would. And I, I did this for like a month and a half. I couldn't stand it. But yeah, the it reason it's horrible. It's yeah. it's not great. The reason it's such a big box is because of the size of the protective wrapping. That's really the only reason. Yeah, so sometimes, it, so sometimes it, when you get like, for instance, like I said, a Blu-ray disc. Yeah, Blu-ray disc is perfect because they can put it in like a little bubbled envelope. Yeah. But when you when when they decide to put something in a box, they they they're putting like these big 
as you've seen, pouches of air. And that yeah. just takes up a lot of space. So instead of coming up with something smaller, they use that. But that's the that's that's a problem. And and you know, if I order a book, I don't need a book to come in a box that could fit sixty books, you know. Uh it's just it seems to me that there's there you're right, there are environmental this is a tangent. Fair enough, Fair Father enough. Chip. I'm gonna uh bring us to a point of the state of the cinema address in that I did not see the parasite train coming down the trestle. I didn't either. As we spoke on our Oscar picks. I got uh, run over by it. I wasn't you got one over? No, I got run over. Oh yeah. Right, yeah. You we will post yeah, yeah. The way our, our, our things came out. But yeah, I won. You won. I won by a count of two to one. Two to one. All right. Of eight. No. Yeah. Of eight picks, I got two right. You got one right. And the <laughs> one right that you got was also one of the ones that I got right. And oh, it was just man. kind of like. But I'll tell you. So it this, was is, this is on a longer thought. Massacre. So watching the broadcast, uh, original screenplay comes up. They played like a montage of like a scene of the movie yes. and then like the way it's typed out. Right. And they put up Parasite in South Korean. And I was just saying to myself, I'm like, well, there you go right there. It can't win. Right. The, they, they can't read it. Right. Like, and, uh, and knowing full well that it can be translated, but we know that one language doesn't translate well necessarily into another. Oh, that's true. So the 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 poetry of of writing can be lost in translation. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is common knowledge. Absolutely. But it won, and I was shocked. But then, before I could even finish registering the shock that it won, did you hear the reaction of the crowd when it won Best Original Screenplay? I didn't. It I did, was yeah. thunderous in it the was. room, and I said to my wife at the time, "It's going to win Best Picture." Yeah. Like these people love this movie. Well, I do. Did they really though? Or was this political correctness run amok? Uh, um, well, according to Adam Stone, yes, uh, he really, really enjoyed it and recommended it to me. And I will take a look at it. I've heard that it's enjoyable. I've heard exact opposite, by the way. I've heard that it's pop culture-y. Uh-huh. And, anyways, it's current. Uh, but oh, I, yeah. I, did, I wrote down a thought. Uh, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Read your like, thought. I think the Parasites win... Is a semi-trend that the recent Best Pictures winners have shown. Not necessarily Green Book, though. Green Book (laughs) is the exception to the rule. But I think it shows a move back to the taste of Hollywood to original filmmaking. Uh, This might break the stranglehold of franchises on the greater movie landscape. Studios might be seeing that people's tastes are more wide-ranging than they gave them credit for. That's my thought of the state of the cinema. And I think what Parasite says is it's going to have to reorganize the business of Hollywood's thoughts. Of course, this could just be the height of naivete. I think it is. Okay. I think this is I think this is political correctness run amok. This is, hey, look, you know, uh, we nominated this guy. We need, you know, and it'll be great for us if if he wins and you know, I'm just going to vote for him. And uh, I mean, they may not have even seen the movie. You know, I, I, I didn't see the movie. Uh, and, and I don't know a lot of people that did see the movie. Uh, Adam might be the only person I know. And the guy that told me it was terrible might be the only two people I know that saw the movie. 
And and I just think it's I I really think there were, in my opinion, there were movies that were better than that, uh, that were more enjoyable, uh, and and I didn't think there was a lot of uh, you know unoriginal ideas uh, nominated mm. for best picture. I mean, it didn't seem like I mean Star Wars wasn't nominated for best picture. I mean. No Marvel movie was nominated for best. I mean, it was all fairly original stuff, you know. I mean, other than say Little Women, which is, uh, you know, was a, you know, an ad- adaptation of a, a beloved of, of a beloved classic novel. So, uh, you know, I don't think I, 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 you know, listen, I, I saw Jojo Rabbit, and which we'll be talking about right, in a little bit. I'm just going to make one quick point on that, and that could have won Best Picture, and it was. As original or more original than anything in Parasite. Well, from what I can observe. From what you can gather. I will watch Parasite, and I'll get back to you. God bless you, because I think it's going to be a complete and utter well, waste of your time. Any movie that for Best Picture that you have to read and not be able to pay attention to what's actually going on and the subtleties of the performances and everything else, I don't know how somebody can make an, a, an assertion that... This is the best picture. Well, I guess one of the things that I'm saying in this point is that the winning of a best picture and a best director, it, it's more than just the trophy for the year, but not always. A lot of times it's a, it buys you a certain level of freedom mm-hmm. and it gets you uh, it gets your ideas okayed faster. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, you've got filmmakers that take that currency, right, and they do their best to like spin it into like a three-year period of like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of it. And then you've got some, and and some of them succeed and some of them fail. I think of, and these are movies I didn't think should win, but the guy who directed The King's Speech, Tom mm-hmm. Hooper, his next movie was Les Mis, right, and it tanked. And then right. he did Cats. Yep. And that was horrible. Right. So he squandered yeah. the goodwill. Mm-hmm. Like he like his goodwill is gone oh, at yeah. this point. No goodwill. From a best picture, best director win for a movie that probably shouldn't have won it that year. I don't know. I forget a... I forget exactly. We could that yeah. could be a whole other show as exactly. to Exactly. But I, I I like that movie. When you look at best pictures, and, and I, every now and then I'll kind of just go to Wikipedia and I'll like look up, mm-hmm. okay, what was nominated, what won? And the more important thing is the, the movies that remain culturally relevant the okay. in the movies that in the movies that inspire future filmmakers but not to rip them off and uh, another point based on that this kind of state of the cinema involving Bong Joon-ho the standing ovation for Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. when Bong Joon-ho uh, I don't know if he said this in English or through his interpreter during his best director acceptance speech yep he singled out Martin Scorsese now right it was interesting that he singled out Martin Scorsese because Quentin Tarantino is a big fan of Bong Joon-ho. Okay. Quentin Tarantino has, for years, when Bong Joon-ho has come out with a movie, a South Korean movie, yep. Tarantino is one of these guys who puts out a top ten list every year. Not, mm. uh, not every filmmaker does this. Tarantino right. does this. And Bong Joon- he's been a champion of Bong Joon-ho for a long time. Um, but he singled out Martin Scorsese. And he said in his acceptance speech that he studied him. He studied his movies when he was a when he was a student, and that he was inspired by him. And that if it wasn't for Martin Scorsese's influence, he might not have become a filmmaker. And they, and they showed 
Scorsese in and just I don't know there's there's he was genuinely touched mm-hmm. I remember I mean yeah. I, I I mean well anybody he might, would be he might have well would they I think that in past years I think there's a different kind of camaraderie in the community hmm. uh, these days I don't think it's as competitive except for the look on Leonardo DiCaprio's face all night <laughs> I mean this guy isn't amused by anything no he's not he he's not he right. seems humorless he did not crack a smile once yeah. um so anyways but Scorsese's touched and then everybody stands up and faces him during someone else's acceptance speech mm-hmm. and gives him a round of applause and you got Spike Lee who won best director last year who uh gave the category away and he's clapping and he's like chanting Marty on the stage and this is during someone else's acceptance speech right right and i was just like I, to what that said to me uh oh it, it was it was very heartwarming and it just made me wonder like I'd love to, I'd love to find out about like the club, you know, mm. and 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 how many people get in, and like the friendships and and you know I I read a book once where it was talking about Stanley Kubrick and the way Stanley Kubrick would get on the phone and he'd get on the phone with a uh, with a a fellow director yeah he'd get on the phone with Steven Spielberg this happened yep and he'd have information that he wanted from Spielberg and he'd get him on the phone for like three hours he lived in England. For most of his career. Right, right. And he would pick his brain and pick his brain. And, and these people were just happy to be talking to him. And he, and it was like a friendship, but it was all yeah. over the phone. And then when he got the information he needed, you might not hear from him ever again okay. or for six months. Yeah. But all of those directors, uh, Spielberg, George Lucas, Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola of that era, mm-hmm. were just... That they've said that is part of the thing that they would gather around. Like, oh, what did Stanley want to talk to you about? Did he call you? Did he ask you? And it was stuff like lens choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like highly technical sure, stuff. Sure, sure. And I don't know. Yeah, stuff we probably wouldn't know much about. No, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I just think that you know you got a guy like Martin Scorsese, and hopefully we'll have him as a productive filmmaker for a long time. But it's a signal that there are. I, there's a younger generation who, who's willing to say, you inspired me. I'm not ripping you off, mm-hmm. but without you, I wouldn't have fallen in love with the movies. Yeah. That is a state of the cinema for me, that there's okay. there's appreciation sure. by the filmmakers and the actors of what came before. It's not a rejection. Right, right, right. I, I You know, I just don't know... I don't disagree with you necessarily, and I, I, I think you you're, might be onto something, but I think that... The, I think most of the time, people understand that they stand on the backs of others. You know what I mean. And so, everyone who wins Best Director probably had a director that inspired them in some manner of speaking. Um, and so maybe that director is no longer with us. Maybe that director isn't in the theater uh, at that at that moment. Well, whatever the reason. But you know, I think they've. It would be surprising to me if filmmakers didn't have other filmmakers that inspired them to be filmmakers. You know what I mean? I think the camaraderie that we see now has more to do with the way um, entertainment is now. It's it's uh, the whole reality TV 
um, thing, you know, the Kardashians and this and that. You, there's a familiarity uh, with celebrities now. And I think there's a certain amount of that going on in the Oscars as well, because they all, it, the Oscars seems to be showing, you know, wants to show them as chummy, wants to show them as, hey, we're pals. Everybody's a pal. Everybody knows everybody here. We're all in this together kind of thing. Uh, you know, did Leonardo DiCaprio seem like it was in, he was in Leonardo life? DiCaprio seemed like he could not wait to be done. Right. And that's probably because he knew he wasn't going to win. Right. But he's sitting front row. Yeah. How many years? Do you remember Jack Nicholson oh, yeah. was front row every year, whether yep. he was in a movie or not, whether he was nominated or not. He was front row, and it was – I'm part of this community. I'm – yeah, I'm treated like I am uh, an, royalty. A, a royalty in this community, and I'm gonna go. It's boring, but I kind of, I kind of owe it. And then you see, unlike the Golden Globes, where everybody gets to sit at a table with each other and they get to drink alcohol and they get to eat, I think you sit in your seat. Yeah, but when they're a commercial, it's like okay, you get up and mingle. Yeah, yeah. DiCaprio, it's just kind of like have fun, guy. Right. No, I know. Maybe he was just having a bad night. I don't know, but it was. You're right. It, it, he didn't seem like he was having fun. No. And that's a shame. Um, another another point that I wanted to make, and this is more – this is this isn't so much about the Oscars, but I, I thought that um, in retrospect, a Knives Out Best Picture nomination mm-hmm. would have been really important. And here's the reason why. I don't know if you – so Ryan Johnson, the director of Knives Out. Yep. Or even a Best Director nomination, um, but more nomination for Knives Out. He was an indie filmmaker. He made three movies that mentioned before. Right. I love him. I loved all his movies. Then he got hired on to Star Wars. This isn't unusual. A lot of the big franchises, Marvel included, mm-hmm. they'll you'll have an indie filmmaker that makes sometimes, a lot of times recently, one mm-hmm. movie that gets some attention, and then they get hired on to a big franchise. And then it's like, oh, I'm a big franchise guy now. Right. But then you got a guy like Ryan Johnson who's like, okay. I did Star Wars, and apparently he's attached to write the next trilogy. I don't know if he's directing, but he's. We'll see. Uh, I mean, they've <laughs> for the next trilogy. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but I have heard the guys who wrote uh, Game of Thrones. Yep, were hired to do the next trilogy of mm-hmm. Star Wars, and then they were fired after the end of Game of Thrones because they botched it so badly. Right, because they wanted to be done with it to go work on Star Wars. Right, the vicious circle. Um, and then there's like there's a couple different people, and they're just like, like what? I, I, what are you gonna do? So, anyways, he go he he does Star Wars, and then within a year after that Star Wars movie comes out, he makes this very quietly. I'm saying he made it quietly. It wasn't, but he makes this murder mystery, this mm-hmm. original story with this great cast, great cast on a smaller scale, something that's very him. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me a lot of Christopher Nolan. If you recall, Christopher right. Nolan, he made he like he made Memento, then he made The Dark Knight, right. and he could okay, I'm in blockbuster world now. I'm going for the so no, he made Batman Begins. Between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, he made a movie called The Prestige, right? Which might be his best movie, might be. It's arguable, right? right. Then he made The Dark Knight, and then it was like, okay, we're going to finish the Batman trilogy. But in between that, he made Inception, right? So, I I hope with that. I, I think what if Knives Out signaled would be that 
let good storytellers tell good stories. They don't need to be weighed down to intellectual property because that seems, and, and, and I think most of my points are about that, international, uh, sorry, in, uh, intellectual property mm-hmm. seems to be the only thing that a studio filmmaking system will trust. And, yeah, I and, think it, I think it's cyclical, though, don't you? I mean, there, there's there's moments in time where it's okay. We're doing these big blockbusters. We're doing this comic book movie. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. Then all of a sudden, one or two of them will tank, and next thing you know, it's like, okay, let, these are done now. We need to move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? And like in the 1970s. Yeah, exactly. The, the 1970s was a whole decade of we're going to change the way this is done. Right. And I just think they, uh, you know, I think they move on quickly if something, if something, or if someone fails. Um, you know, Ryan Johnson did not have a good story for um, the Last Jedi um, Star Wars entry. I, I mean, it was a bad movie. It was bad. It was handled bad, uh, handled badly, and uh, you know, I, I think it was just a mess, and and it kind of ruined the. F- this ending of the franchise um, for me and for a lot of people. Um, that being said, I, I, I like Ryan Johnson as a director and as a storyteller. I, I loved Knives Out. I've said that before. Uh, I loved it. I thought the performances were fantastic. I thought Daniel Craig was great. Um, you know, and I think some of the lesser known uh, actors were really, really good in it as well. But I think that's his forte. You know, his forte is original ideas, original scripts, original thoughts. You know, he needs to stay away from blockbusters and, you know. Oh, I agree. Like, I remember monster th- series. In the same vein, there was a rumor for a while, I'm sure you heard it, that uh, Tarantino was in line to direct a Star Trek movie. He was. He had a story. He had everything. It was moving now, along. Now, my argument with that is this is a guy who said, I'm doing 10 movies, then I'm retiring. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was his ninth. He's got a tenth. Don't take your last movie and make it a franchise film. It, except it wasn't going to be that. Um, you know, based on what I've heard uh, through different sources, it was going to be a Star Trek a Star Trek movie, but it was going to be a Tarantino Star Trek movie. It wasn't going to be based in any of the realities of what had already come before it. So a standalone. It was a standalone. And so it was going to it was going to be an original story, original, you know, thought standalone movie that wasn't going to get a sequel that was just going to be that's it. And uh it was uh, it was going and it was moving and he had he had a treatment, he had um he had ideas, things were moving forward and something happened at uh CBS and it's a long drawn out story that I won't get into, but um, he's not doing it. It's it's done. It's it's Good. over. Uh, so who knows what his tenth movie is going to be? Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen a fan like Tarantino's take on Star Trek. I think it would have been interesting, and it would have been probably the best Star Trek movie in a twenty years. Um, so <laughs> you know, I mean, it would have been great. To be fair, I I don't really believe that he's going to retire. I mean, I think he might take a break. And it could be a long he, break. Yeah, but he I, will, I think you're right. He will be back in some form. I, I think he loves... He got into making movies because he loves movies, and I yeah. don't think that's going to stop. 
I think what he's concerned about is just having lost his fastball. I really do think that that's what his – he's like, I'd rather retire before I lost my fastball. Right. But hopefully you see somebody like Martin Scorsese nominated for Best Director and Best Picture the same year you won. And you say, here's a guy who you could have said, oh, I lost my fastball after uh, after Casino. Right. It's like, no, he's still making quality films into – I mean, he's an old man. Yeah, he's in his 70s. But he's spry. Yeah, his yeah. Name, he's got some energy. No, I think he. I think you know that's that's the way you hope everybody gets to live. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you know, you want to be you want to be upbeat and spry and intellectually there when you're in the, in your seventies, and you want to, you know, maybe keep. I mean, look at you want to matter to your at, peers. Yeah, and look at Clint Eastwood. I mean, he's ninety and he's making movies. Yeah, I don't think anybody called Clint Eastwood spry though. I he's don't know. curmudgeonly. I he's, like Clint. I don't know if he's spry. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, but he, he he's making movies there, yeah. and he's 90 years old. Yeah. So God, And he acted in one when he was like 88. Yep. So, you know. Yeah. He's doing something right. Yeah. And he doesn't have, uh, from what I've heard, when he's directing a movie, you get one, two, you get two takes. And most. And then at most. Actors have said, I, I think, could you, could you just give me one more shot? I could do better. It's like. And apparently he just kind of goes in quietly and says, you're nope. wasting everyone's time. Yeah. Let's just move on. You're wasting everybody's time. That's much better. <laughs> so uh, the state of the cinema, here's an- another thing. I think that there's a there's a generational there's a generational leap that's happening right now. There's a mm-hmm. couple of film there's – a, there's a generation of filmmakers that have some people at the forefront that have really made the leap. They've really gone from – they they've they've reached a new level of quality, and I think you're going to see them for a while. Um, people like, and I know it, it's young for him, but you haven't seen him. We're going to talk about him, but Taika Waititi. Yeah, I think he's he's going to be around for a long time. I he's going to he, be. I think he is. He's yeah. going to be part of this. Um, and then you saw, and I didn't know they were together, but um, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Yeah, I did not know they were together, but they were. At, at, I think yeah, she's yeah. pregnant with his with his child. I, yeah, yeah, I, right. I I I think they're married. They might be. But you know, you know what happens with celebrities. You can't take she can't take his name because she's already got right. Like you can't if if no, all of a sudden she was going under uh, Greta Bombach. People, yeah. go, who's Greta Bombach? Right. Um, but and then um and then Wes Anderson, who's coming out with a new movie, mm-hmm. and I just think that there's and you could, maybe you could put Bong Joon Ho in that. Maybe you know maybe in his he's got. He said he's got two movies that he's written in the last year since Parasite came out. One of them is South Korean. One of them is in English. Well, oh, what if okay. okay he makes a movie in English and then he's you know maybe he gets everybody's oh this guy can I just I, I think that there's a lot of positive moving forward. There's a lot of talent that's going to get opportunity mm-hmm. that and I'm excited for that. I, I think there is a lot of talent, and there I think there typically is a lot of talent. It's just a matter of does it get recognized and does it uh, get opportunity? And I think some of these, uh, you know, younger people are starting to get their opportunity because some of the older old guard is starting to, you know, fade away a little bit. I mean, and, and, and for good reasons. I mean, they're older and they maybe they're slowing down. They're retiring. I mean. You can't do it. You can't do it till the day you die. Yeah, unless you're Clint Eastwood. Or I think John Houston. Yeah, I believe John Houston was one of those guys that right. he might have died on set. I, I think, don't think yeah, so. But I don't know. No, he. Uh, he. I actually read about him recently. He died in Rhode Island. Okay, near Newport. Well, he was an older guy, and you know, 
Some of those guys are going to go on for Mark Martin Scorsese might go on for a long time. We don't know. I hope he does. Exactly. As long as he's doing good work, I think that's great. Yeah. And keep on going. Um, but it's also nice to see younger uh, people, you know, getting their opportunities. And I I hope that, uh, you know, we see more of these same directors that were in there in this particular Oscar telecast uh, again. I, I hope that they do something that's, you know, worthy of a nomination. And I hope, you know, I just hope it's good stuff. I, I, I think the thing that I took away from this year's Oscars was people, like you were talking about, people want original content. Mm. And people are, I think, maybe sliding away from, you know, the, the sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel. And I think that there, that might be starting to slow down. And, in, in, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I agree. Um, and that's a good segue to um, the next part of our show where it turns out the night before the Oscars, both me and you filled mm-hmm. in a hole from yes. our 2019 viewing schedule. Uh, I watched the film Dr. Sleep, which I missed in the theater, which right. I'm surprised I missed because I was really excited about it. And you got around to seeing my favorite movie of the year, Jojo Rabbit. I Let's did. talk about Jojo Rabbit. I'd love to hear your thoughts because the last thing you said about Jojo Rabbit is it's got a stupid title. It does. It still does. Um, I, I, and I, you know, now I know where it comes from. And that's that makes it a little less stupid. Um, but uh, I never thought that I would like a movie set in World War Two on the German side of things featuring the imaginary friend named Adolf Hitler uh, with a bunch of Nazis and everything else. And a little kid who was a Nazi. I just never thought that. That would be something that I would think was good. However, um, I found it very funny um, to start with. Uh, a lot of, lot of, you know, just odd juxtaposition of things that should be horrifying and uh, but done with a comedic effect. Um, you know, and I think the acting was superb. I mean, the, the guy who plays, the, the kid who played Jojo Rabbit, Mm-hmm. You know, um, which wasn't his real last name. Um, he was excellent, and uh, his name is Roman Griffin Davis. Yeah, and the and the and the and the girl uh, Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah, she played uh, the the, uh, the Jewish girl that was being hidden in in their in their wall. Um, she was great. She was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, you know, it was interesting because I was expecting to see more of. Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell? No. Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I thought she was going to be more in it uh, because she was nominated for it. And I thought, you know, I was wait. I kept waiting. I kept waiting. And then, you know, then all of a sudden something bad happens and then we don't, we never see her again. And I, I was flabbergasted by that. And I, I thought she deserved the nomination though. Every scene that she was in, she shone so bright. She was great. She was. No question. I'm not saying she didn't deserve the nomination. I just thought she'd be in it more. And uh, she was very, she was really, really, really good. Anyway, um, I thought it was, it was original. It was, you know, and it was funny. It was genuinely funny. And it's not without its controversy because it is a comedy set with in Nazi Germany. And there were some people who were like, well, you can't, you can't. Uh, trivialize anti-Semitism. And they missed the point of the movie. They did. 
obviously, um, because it doesn't trivialize it at all. Um, you know, and at first you wonder what the mother is doing, like what Scarlett Johansson doing in this movie. Like, what's her? What? Why is she disappearing every day? Why is she? You know doing what she's doing doesn't she have a job doesn't she what is she doing you don't know yeah and and for a while you but she's busy she's busy and you know and even the german soldier sam Sam rockwell's character you know he he, i think he sees the writing on the wall i mean i think he sees the the you know the, the horror of what he's been involved in and i think he sees that you know they're gonna be they're losing this this isn't they're not winning yeah. this war. That's that's one part because it, it shows two sides of and, and I don't think that you can just um you know contain this to the Nazis. I think it's a it's an interesting dichotomy of there are it's the first time you've seen I've seen a movie where Nazis are portrayed as what some of them were. It's just kind of like, well, I'm German. Yeah. And it's either join up or die right but i'm not really committed right and it's i'm just going through the motions which again not defendable but you see sam rockwell and he's just kind of like why am i yeah why am i doing this yeah and he you know kind of like grows a conscience um it's also the you know one of the things that don't make clear is it's at the waning days of the war yeah no i thought that was clear you thought so yeah i thought that was clear but sam sam rockwell and scarlett johansson and uh, Rebel Wilson yep. and Stephen Merchant did something that you don't see happen often, and it's they stayed in their German accents. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Stephen Merchant, who is British. Right. How many movies have you seen where the, the Nazis have British accents? Oh, yeah, all the time. And it's just like, okay, well, I'll suspend disbelief. But he went and he and he committed to a German accent, and it was good. Yeah. I mean, he was in for a short period of time. Scarlett yeah. Johansson and Sam Rockwell had a harder job. Right. And but I thought they did a great job. But that. Sam Rockwell, I got to tell you, he is without fail delightful. Oh, he's yeah. always like I I just I'd love to see him in everything. Yeah, he's very good. He's an, an excellent actor and I think um he he brings he brought a certain amount of, you know, uh I guess it I guess a good word you could use here is a certain amount of uh pathos if you sure will. sure yeah he was into this role he was I, like a world weary yeah yeah but I, funny yeah really funny like I, the I, scene the scene the scenes with them at uh yeah yeah the scenes <laughs> with the the and and that's and that's and that's another thing that's funny you can't see it but uh father chip is mimicking there's a specific kind of hitler salute that is given in this movie yeah and it highlights the absurdity right. of the custom. Right. It's just very, you know, they're doing the Hitler salute, but they're treating it as if me and you would say to each other, hi or hey, bye. How's it going? Yeah. And it's this this flippant yeah. kind of and 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 that is where I think the movie shines. It's 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 taking this ideology that corrupted a, a whole people. Nation. A whole nation, and it's just like in the plainest terms, saying this is how ridiculous this is. Right. The only person who could possibly buy into this would be a ten-year-old boy. Right. Exactly. And that was the that was the thing. The ten-year-old boys were the ones who got who were loving it. They were like they loved all the 
uh, all the, the propaganda, all the propaganda, the histrionics, the all of that stuff was exciting to them, as it would be, I think, to any ten-year-old boy in any country, right? You know, and so they, 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 you know, and for and for JoJo, it was a, it was his way of belonging, yeah. you know, and I think he, but eventually, as the movie goes along, he, even he, even the ten-year-old boy, realizes this is stupid, and. Um, and and counterproductive, and everything about it is is wrong. Yes, and and you know his journey from good little Nazi ten year old to you know, yeah, I don't in know, many ways a grown. Many ways, yeah. I mean, he has to grow up fast. Yeah, and his 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 transformation in the movie is is really really great. Uh, you know, I think he. He loses family but gains family. He he just he he loses his innocence in and but gains um, you know wisdom. And I, I think it's it's just a, it was a really good movie that really if it had had a better name, I probably would have seen <laughs> in the theater. And uh, you know, cause I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad I saw it too. I I really am glad I saw it. I'm glad you pushed me to see it because I think, you know, if I had not seen it, I I, I wouldn't have seen the great um, value yeah. that this is. And I and I and I think, and I I I, I can never say this guy's name. The Taika Waititi. Taiki Waititi. Taika. Taika. Waititi. Waititi. He is. Um, he's he's, he's, a, he's he's Maori. Right. Yeah. He's uh, of the indigenous right. uh, people of New Zealand, which is even makes even his performance as Hitler even funnier. Yes. Um, <laughs> he was so funny as Hitler, and I know that's so ridiculous to say. No, but he was. But he was. He was hysterical. He was. And and uh, it was weird. I I didn't. I thought his performance as the imaginary friend right. Adolf Hitler. I thought it was going to go different. I thought that because. My, I never had an imaginary friend I that I remember, either. but uh, my understanding of imaginary friends are they they really do come from inside, mm-hmm. and they're telling you what's already. In, but you, you know, you might not know it, but they're right. telling you it's already, you know. Right. So I really thought that it was going to be this like weird like he's. Ta- I thought JoJo was going to like take Hitler and just use him, and whatever was really inside JoJo was going to be portrayed there, and that's mm-hmm. how it started. He was just like, well, you should go talk to her, right? Like giving like. Imaginary Hitler gave a couple pieces early on early of good on. advice. Yeah, no, like, you're right. You should, like you should go talk to her or, or or this that. But then it but then it turned and he became. Well, there was conflict. There was yes. There was internal conflict, and that's when he and the imaginary friend Hitler began not seeing eye to eye, and and then you know he learns of you know Hitler's demise, and that's when it, it really goes off the rails. And, you know, I think it was I, – I think it did reflect his interior um, – Worldview. Worldview. I think it did. And then I think as his worldview changed, he he saw that he this, – this character, this friend, uh, alleged friend, had to go away. But his real friend, the Jewish girl hiding, yes. is she is – I think she's going to be a star. Oh yeah, she's really good. She's an excellent actress. She's she was so good in this, and yeah, she's got a little. She's got opportunities in front of her because yeah. this was a really good performance. And you know, what did you think? What did you think of Taika Waititi's direction? What did you think of him as a director? Because I've seen I've seen a couple movies of his before, mm-hmm. and if you liked it, you should check out 
his non-Marvel movies you should check out. Uh, there's one called uh, Hunt of, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, I looked at some of the stuff online to see what was what else was. It's another there. New Zealand yeah. movie. And then he made a movie, a mockumentary called What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. With some of the guys from Flight of the Concords. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's it's a mockumentary about um, it's it's very office like, but it's a mockumentary about vampires living together in an apartment oh, in man. New Zealand. All right. And it's. So funny. He okay. it, it's so but check it out. I will. But I just want to know what you think of his direction cuz I saw oh this guy's got some Wes Anderson in him. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I I think he it's different, but yes. he sees the absurd. He's not unoriginal. No, yeah. He see he sees the absurd uh like Wes Anderson does and he kind of turns it on its head a little bit and I think I think that's great. Uh you know, I I I'm impressed with his um, his ability to get the performances out of the uh, out of the children actors, um, I'm impressed that you know he's able to um, you know show the you know the horror of war alongside the realities of mm. those who are living through it. Mm. Um, you know because that towards the end of the movie when the bombing starts, that's horrific. It goes, no, it 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 goes from and and I think that's. One of the reasons why it's horrific is because we've been watching a comedy. Exactly. Right. And we've been and we've been and then and then a comedy with some drama, yeah. a dramedy. Yeah. Um, but more I mean, the, the comedy was very silly. Yeah. And and, and but the drama was very serious. But then yes. all of a sudden you go from like, oh, I'm having a a, a rollicking good time right. to oh, the bombs are dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, and then oh. the Russians are coming, the Americans are coming, the the whole the whole world is crashing around. And and this and, innocent this innocent little boy, and that's right, the point. It's right. not not it's not the Nazis. We're not saying oh right. the poor Nazis. It's this innocent, innocent little boy, boy. And, and 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 his, his innocent friend. friends. And I think he does something towards the end of the movie. And is it okay to spoil the movie? Is it? I think if people know you're going to spoil it, one, two, three, four. I think when he doesn't tell her that the war is over. It's sad. It's very sad. Very sad I, I was I was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? Yeah. And I felt like a genuine angst mm. because You were disappointed in him. Well, I was disappointed in him and I was fearful for her. Yeah. Like, is she gonna do something stupid because she's afraid that the Germans won the war? Mm. Like, is she gonna kill herself? Mm. Like that ran through my mind. Sure. Because I cared about this character. But he but he does come clean. He does. And it did remind me there have been times in my life, specifically with parents, where something happens and I have decided that the best course of action is to lie about it. And I'm in the middle of it and just like inside screen and, and I and I've gotten away with it. Yeah, sure. And then I've I've gotten away with it, you know. The feeling of relief should wash over me, but it doesn't. But it doesn't. And then when we're getting up from the table, wherever mm-hmm. this like explanation of what happened is going on, I have said like, "Wait a second, I, I'm sorry, that was a lie." I was yeah. a young kid, and it was just kind of like I couldn't, right? And, and and I so in it was interesting in that moment. It's not often that you see a movie where they're portraying something that has happened to you in some form or fashion. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think so. He comes clean to her. He does he come clean. He can't keep the lie. He does come clean, and her reaction is totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. And and, he, and the other thing we need to explain here is that there's a good six year age difference between. Oh, this yeah, this isn't a romantic. This isn't real. Well, it is from his point of view to some extent. Well, again, because he's he's immature. a ten year old immature boy. But for her, it's certainly it's just it's friendship and it's it's 
sister brotherhood because they've gone through this terrible ordeal together. She has managed to, um, through her just being her, change this kid's perspective on uh, his worldview. Uh, and I think, you know, for someone to be able to do that, um, that it takes... doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. And I think there was a special something going on there. And I, and I just... I just wanted the movie to keep going. Like I wanted to, like, okay, what's going to happen to sure? What's going to happen to them when uh, the war's over? What's going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to go, go to America? Yeah, they're going to go to America. They're going to go to England. Where are they going? Yeah. Are they doing something? What are they doing? Yeah, are they going to try and find pe- her relatives? Are going to try and find his relatives? What are they going to do? I want to know what happens to these characters. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and so anytime a movie can leave me with that, like what happens to these characters, that's a good movie. Yeah. So. But the last thing I want to ask you about this is if we had done our top 10 of 2019 after you saw Jojo Rabbit, where do you think it would fall? You don't have to give me a number. You don't have to bump anything that's in there. Give me a range. Where do you think in your on your list it, top would, three. it would be in the top three? Yeah. Okay. Great so, movie. we got a few minutes left. Uh, the movie that I saw the night before the Oscars I had wanted to see is Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about it. You haven't seen it. I suggest you do. Dr. Sleep is a very interesting project. Because it is a sequel right. to both. It's an adaptation of the sequel book to Stephen King's The Shining, written right. by Stephen King. And it is a sequel to the Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining. Correct. The two things are very different. The oh, Shining yeah. book and The Shining movie are very different. Yep. And the Dr. Sleep book lives in the world that is post-book Shining. So things are different. For example, at the end of The Shining, the... Uh, the hotel burns down. Mm-hmm. So there's no hotel. And uh, Dick Halloran survives. Mm-hmm. And they're living in Florida. They, uh, Wendy and Danny go with Dick Halloran. They're living with him in Florida after this. So in the Stanley Kubrick movie, it doesn't happen. Right. Jack freezes in the maze. And Dick Halloran is dead. Mm-hmm. And they make their escape. Of this, but the hotel still stands. Right. And there's a number of other things there that this these filmmakers, these screenwriters and these directors and these actors, they had to walk a tightrope between, okay, we need to we need to service both, mm-hmm. but it still needs to be good. Right. And the ways that they found to to mend the discrepancies between the two are masterful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, the story is about it takes place like right after the end of the shining. Danny Torrance is a young boy. He's living in Florida. And um, it turns out that the ghosts of the Overlook are following him. And Dick Halloran teaches him how to contain them. Like, like he did in The in the Shining. When mm-hmm. he said, they're pictures in a book, they can't hurt you. Well, it turns out they can hurt him. Right. But here's how he learns how to deal with them. Basically, almost creates mental jail for them. Okay. So he grows up and he starts becoming Jack. He's an alcoholic. He's a scoundrel. Hmm. And he finds himself, he does something terrible. He's he's with a woman and uh, he gets up in the morning. They had been drinking. He gets up in the morning. He's laying in bed with her. She has uh, thrown up all over the bed. He gets up, cleans himself off. Steals money out of her wallet and goes to leave when her toddler, or even younger, comes out of another room. And he puts a bag of Cheez-Its and puts her on the bed, not ever checking to see the mother is 
This is spoilers, by the way. Everybody. One, two, the three. Mother, yeah, one, two, three, four. The, the mother had died. Uh-oh. And because she was such a negligent mother and the kid always cried, nobody knew. Uh-oh. So nobody came. So then the kid, the, you don't see it. Right. So then late, so, so Danny, he's just kind of a nomad. He's traveling. He gets up to New Hampshire and he finds a place to live in New Hampshire. That doesn't sound like a good idea for him. What do you mean? Going to New Hampshire? Yeah, he should stay away from New Hampshire. Well, so he goes to New Hampshire, a, a fictional town, which I believe Stephen King based on North Conway. And it's it's an interesting moment. So as you know, he can see, he's got The Shining, he can see ghosts. Right. The ghost of the woman finds him. Oh, lovely. And tells him, they haven't, tells him what happened. They haven't found us. You need to do something. You need to tell somebody to come and find us. They haven't found us. He immediately goes downstairs to the only friend he's made, and he says, I have a problem. I need help. And he gets into AA, and he cleans his life up. And then we're eight years past that. And he's got a job at a hospice. And he finds out that he can finally use his powers for good. What he does is when people in the hospice are close to death, he uses The Shining to help them pass peacefully, to help them prepare. Okay. And it's like, oh, it's a calling. I can do this. I can be happy with myself. And I can, you know, take this thing that's been a burden to me my entire life and turn it into something good. So that's Danny to the beginning of the movie. There is a <laughs> – the villain is a group of – and this is the best way to describe it. It's not perfect. But vampires that feed off the shining. Okay. They don't they – don't, they don't – they can be out during the day. Mm-hmm. They don't have fangs. They don't turn into bats. They're evil entities. They're people who hunt – People with the shining, and essentially they call it the st- their steam, okay. but they're feeding off the shining. And not too far from Danny is a girl who's more powerful than he was with the shining ever. And they, and so, anyways, it becomes they all meet, she endears herself to him, but then they find out that this group is coming together. Uh oh. And has to, and so I don't, I forget exactly the logic, but it turns out that he's like, it, we have to go back to the overlook. Oh, like boy. this is – we have to use – basically he's like the only way to beat them because they have interactions and they have battles and it's really interesting. He's like the only way to beat them is to put them in the trap that is the – over if the Overlook Hotel is essentially a a place because it's still standing. It's a place that behaves the way these people behave. I see. So if we can get them there, then maybe we can, you know, yeah, use yeah. that. So, and, so Ewan McGregor plays Danny. Okay. And an actress by the name of um, – Rebecca Ferguson, which I've heard the name, but oh, I've, I've never seen her. her. Yeah. She plays the main villain named Rose the Hat. And I'll tell you, I went in there. I went in to watch it, and I wanted to see it, but I was very skeptical mm-hmm. because it's it's not always you get a good Stephen King adaptation in the theater. Absolutely not, right. It was excellent. It was pitch perfect. The style of directing, the guy cared. It wasn't it wasn't lazy like mm-hmm. like some of these Stephen. It's yep. just like, oh, it's Stephen King. People are coming for it. What do I what do I need to work for? This right. guy put a stamp on. He found just the perfect ways to like weave the stories together. And there was a moment towards the end when they're back at the Overlook, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to tell you what they did, but I'm like, oh, they're not going to do this, are they? Are they? And they and I was shocked that he would have the guts to make a casting decision that he made. Wow. Um. This is interesting. Yeah, you should. I mean, you should watch it. If you've seen The Shining or if you're a Stephen King fan, you should watch it. I, I mean, I just kind of went through the plot. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to see this now. Yeah. Well, it's available to rent now. There you go. I think I rented it on Amazon Prime for $6. Yep. You have 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice. That's good. <laughs> so I watched it twice. 
Excellent. Um, because I was just like, I wanted to go back and like, am, yeah. am, is this as good or is this just one of these <laughs> initial reactions? Like we talked right, about, right. like your first reaction be like, oh, it's so new and so good. You watch it maybe six months later and you're like, well, on second viewing, it's mm -hmm. kind of pedestrian. Right. No, I agree. And it's interesting. I, I mean, I haven't rewatched Jojo Rabbit, but um, I have a feeling that I will see new things when I watch it again. Mm. And, you know, I, and I will watch it again because I just, I really kind of fell in love with those characters, as crazy as it sounds. And, uh, and I can't wait to see what uh, Takiki... Taika. Taika. Watiti. Watiti. How can I put it phonetically on yeah, that wall? Maybe on the wall for me. <laughs> Taika Watiti. How easy was that? That's hard take, to remember. It takes a couple practices, yeah. but once you get it, you'll get it. Well, anyway, I can't wait to see what this guy does. Well, apparently he's attached to Star Wars. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Right, exactly. We'll see. You never know with these things. Um, and then I think he's attached to. Um, but he's he's also an actor, so I don't know right. if he's. I don't know if he's attached in. A writer director fashion or an actor fashion, but also the uh, the Japanese anime property Akira, which I've oh, never sure. been an anime yeah, guy. I, don't, I, don't, I know what it is, but I've never been an anime. But guy. Yeah, yeah, I I I hope he opts to do another original film as opposed to doing an Akira. I would hope that he would stay away from franchises well, and do his, his stuff. His next movie is the next Thor movie. Okay, well, so and, he, he, and he was very good with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it's the only Thor movie that I liked. Yeah, well, the first one was okay, but Thor Ragnarok was hysterical, and I think just his take on the characters was 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 the right way to go, and it, just an original idea, original. I'm surprised they let him do it, to be perfectly honest. Well, it was off the back. It was really off the back of his movie, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, right. And Hunt for the Wilder People. Like right. he, he had two right back-to-back. -back. He stars. He's one of the three stars of um, oh, What We Do in the Shadows. You should check it out. It's oh, really, no, I really want to check that out now. Yeah. I, I'll, I, give you, I'll let you borrow my copy. I think he's just, he's a real, he's just a real talent. And, mm. and he's a good actor. Yeah. You know, and he was, he was he, a great, underrated as Hitler. He was a great imaginary Hitler. He was a great imaginary Hitler. You know, and, and the, I just, I can't say enough. If you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, please go see it. And if and if you're on the fence, just rent it. Do something. It, it is so worth your time. If you're on the fence about either of the movies we talked about or anyone, here's one thing that I, I didn't, I haven't said on the show yet. But I encourage anybody who hears a movie that we talk about. If you're not like a cinephile, if you're mm -hmm. not, if you're not a movie nut like us, right? Go and look. Go on YouTube and look up a trailer. Right. Right. It's two minutes of your time, yep. and it's either going to grab you or it's going to not grab you. And if right. it doesn't, then it's not for you. Uh, and not always, and trailers aren't always the end-all, be-all of a sign of quality. True. But go check out the trailer. Go check out the trailer to Jojo Rabbit. Go check out the trailer to Dr. Sleep. Right. And I will tell you this before we go. I just wanted to say the way that I got hooked into Jojo Rabbit was when you told me that Hitler was the imaginary friend. When I knew that, I said, "Oh, I got to see this." Yeah. How how are they going? How are they going to pull this off? I just couldn't. I just couldn't believe. Well, it. before we finish up, I, yeah. I'm going to do a little business here. Do a little business. Uh, as you know, as I will say at the end of the podcast, as I do at every podcast, we are part of the Grexley Grexley Grexley, Grexley. Podcast Network, and we've got a Patreon. Um, to some of you guys who don't know what a Patreon is, it is a support system, but we give you stuff for your support. I'd just like to give you some information. There, I didn't know this. This is news to me. Okay. Uh, of of the last week, there are three tiers 
to the uh, Grexley podcast. So if, I think if you got if you got two bucks to spare, right, you can become a Patreon, a patron, right, of the Grexley Podcast Network and the show on Patreon, and you get stuff for that. For example, the first tier, the green tier, access to the Grexcast, which is a monthly conversation with a member of the Grexley community hosted by Adam Stone, head creative for Grexley and the Catholic TV Network. Uh, it unlocks text posts from every podcaster, including me and Father Chip. And uh, we also have a store. Did you know that? No. We have a store. There's T-shirts and mugs. I you knew have, about a mug. You have a mug. I have a mug, yeah. And uh, there are sales, and you get first notice on those sales. Wonderful. Tier two, uh, you get behind-the-scenes photos and videos. We've we've done some of that. We have. I've got an idea for what I'm going to do next month. Okay. Uh, you get a chance to vote on content. So Ooh. you could let us know what like, you what, what you want us to could, talk about. Could we set up like a, yeah, we a, can a do poll? That. We could do that. Oh, and, and then they could vote. And then, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is a second tier. So it's a little bit more money, but not too money, much money. Not, it's okay. And uh, also you get a free Grexley sticker. Put that on your car. Oh, boy. As well as everything in the green tier. There is a, but wait, there's, there's more. more. We got the gold tier. I love it. You get your name added to the masthead at Grexley.com. Wow. It's like it's like you're the president. Like a co-producer? No, no, no. It's like you're the president. Really? It's like the you're president? one of the or I mean co-founder. Okay. You're on the masthead. I mean Sounds interesting. There's no higher honor. Uh, are we on the masthead? I would imagine so. Oh, okay. Then you're right. No higher honor. There's no higher honor. I mean, I'll I'll take a look at it. I'll get back to you. Thank you. I think we should be. Well, maybe it's for, uh, we're, you know, I haven't donated. Um, maybe you should. Oh, maybe I will. Okay. Uh, unlock digital extras, as in original art. There are some people who do ori- original art. Oh, well, that would not, be. It's not me. Not me. Not me. I can't draw. I can't draw. I can't sculpt. Maybe that would be funny if you drew paint. stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take up sketching. But what I do do and what time. we have done is the bonus episodes. We yes. have recorded bonus episodes. Yeah. And not necessarily it's not just what you're listening to but in the it's it's different formats it's different topics it's it's um it's stories it's and then there's two podcasters here mm-hmm. that uh, aren't cinephiles and i'm trying to show them some of my favorite classics and have them see for the first time i love i love being able to see a movie that i love through the eyes of someone for the first oh, time sure yeah. i really enjoyed hearing you talk about jojo rabbit that's one of my favorite things and you get everything else from the previous tier plus a free grexley t-shirt what so, do you have to do to get a mug? Uh, it's not on. Oh, you have to buy on, one. Maybe, I guess maybe we, maybe we need to make another tier. Well, buy a mug. Or you could buy a mug and there's um, sales so you can get mugs for. I like it. And, the, and, and they'll keep your coffee hot or your. Uh, I drink whatever. my coffee out of my Grexley mug every morning. I, I imagine that you do. So I just wanted to. That, that was written out for us. But I also. <laughs> if you hear me at the end of the episode talking about Patreon. And you're like, oh, no. Well, now you know what it is. <laughs> what is yours? I just wasted my time. <laughs> well, now you know, and now and, it's and, awesome. And knowing is half the battle. It is GI Joe. It's knowing. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's it's important uh, to support um, what we do if it's something that you enjoy. Um, it's 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 a it's a an advanced digital age version of. PBS in a, in a sense. And I think it is important to help us 
to continue to do this, uh, to continue to um, offer more and different things. And uh, I hope, I hope that uh, if you like the show, you'll consider being a patron. I'm patrons of some shows on other things, and I, I, I do that because I enjoy the content and I want to keep getting it. And mm. some of the people that do this, not, not like you and I, I don't do this full time. You don't do this full time. Mm. It, it, some people do, and that's how they support themselves. And, uh, I think you gave in a buck to Dan Carlin. At the end of all his episodes oh, of sure. Hardcore History, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll just say, all we ask for is if you like it, send us a buck. Yeah, exactly. And I listen to several uh, podcasts that I, that I give money to um, because I, I just think it's – you know, I'm not talking a lot of money. We're not talking a ton of money here. Whatever you'd find in, but, your, in, in, your, in your change, in yeah, your pocket at the exactly. end of the day. Exactly. I mean it, it, the, the most I give to any podcast is $5. And I think, is it this one? Oh, not yet. <laughs> I don't know if I want to give to the podcast that I might get something from. You well, know? I mean, you can have your $5 back. Yeah, I can have my – so that's just washing money. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I think it's, it, would be, it would be good if you support something and you like it, you know, help, help it. Help it. Help grow it. Help make it better. And, um, and, and the Grexley Network will be as good as the people that listen to it uh, because you'll help gr- – help us grow into yeah. something that's amazing. Well, you, you bring up a good point. Your donation doesn't just help this show. It helps, well, I mean, currently, I think there's eight shows. Yeah. So your donation helps eight shows. Right. Exactly. That's good. I mean, it's that's, good. It's good bang for your buck. Absolutely. Why don't you bring it home, Father Chip? Well, we uh, always, as always, we thank you for listening to us on Never a Dull Movie. Uh, we will be back again uh, uh, sh- soon, and we will have something wonderful, I hope, for you to, again. Uh, Brian, Brian hates it when I do that, by the way, yeah. because I, he thinks I should just say, we're going to have a great show for you, so just come on back. <laughs> I, I hope that that's the case. I'm cautiously I, optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic that we will have a great show for you next time. I'm Father Chip Hines. And I'm Brian Swift. We'll see you next time on Never a Dull Movie. Thank you for listening to Never a Dull Movie. Never Dull Movie has been a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. To learn more about this podcast and the other great podcasts on the Grexley Podcast Network, please check out grexley.com. That's G-R-E-X-L-Y.com. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, please check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash grexley. When you join our Patreon page, you will receive early and exclusive access to unique content. Thanks for listening to Never Dull Movie, and we will see you next week.